Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network present the Discover Your Mission series. Now I had been brought up without any prayer, without Bible, without church, nothing of that kind. And so when my father died, I became suicidally depressed. I, I had no desire to live. And yet, by the grace of God, uh, whenever I got to the point of actually taking my life, I always had this interior conviction that if I took my life, I would simply find it again on the other side and it would be permanent misery. But it wasn't until I became a wife and a mother and I began to try and pass my faith on to my children that I realized that everything I knew about Jesus was memorized doctrine. I was a good man, I was a good father, I was instilling the sacraments into my family. But, uh, I was definitely not intentional, I was stuck broke in my family. But what kind of strength did he have? Jackie did not just have a strength of body or baseball skill. He had a strength inside of his spirit, a courageous meekness that empowered him to play the game. And I tell him what is going on with me and he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. I think this is like some sort of miracle, dude. And he's like, okay, you know, of course, but I'll believe it when I see it. Honey, you've been trying to quit and you've been saying this and saying that. And I'm, a, you know, he, his big line to me is, you shouldn't say things <laughs> because I never follow through on them. And so this was week after week, month after month. He is looking at me like, this is a miracle. There is no way that you on your own could have done this. So we are called to sing. All of us are called to sing. All of us are called to express ourselves and join our voice into the unity of the church. Uh, often with my choirs, I, I ask them to listen to each other, to listen to the, the sound that they make together as one. That's what we're aiming for the harmony or unison, we're aiming for a one sound. You need to decide. What are you going to participate in? Are you going to participate in the historic Christian idea of the altar of sacrifice, which is in the Eucharist, or not? Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Anne DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder, and this is the Sewing Hope Podcast. It's great that you've joined us here on this Tuesday morning. 
And uh, thank you for being with us and listening to today's show. As always, I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Ann DeSantis, uh, this morning. And uh, welcome, Ann. How are you doing? Oh, great, Bill. Thanks. <laughs> yes. Good to be here. <laughs> yes, it is good to be here. It is wonderful to be here. And I know we have uh, a wonderful guest with us today, a good friend of both of ours, uh, Kendra Von Esch. Why don't you... Uh, why don't we introduce Kendra? Kendra, welcome to uh, Sewing Hope once again. Oh, it's so wonderful to be here with you both. I miss you. I know we're all so busy. So <laughs> if it takes us catching up on your podcast, I will take it. <laughs> <Definitely>. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. Um, mm. So, uh, you know, here we are. It's still uh, the pandemic is dragging on into 2021. Um, and we're still searching for hope. Uh, and, you know, Kendra, we have to thank you because uh, we, I think we always thank you, but uh, this show would not be possible without you. So, uh, you know, a Kendra introduced both <laughs> Ann and myself. So uh, we're, we're here doing this show. I guess we're almost at 100 episodes. We're up to episode 96. Uh, so that's that's, wow. that's crazy. But but yeah, I mean, you know, so so how have you been, Kendra? And just give us a little bit of update on on how the Holy Spirit's moving in your life during during this uh, as the pandemic continues to drag on. <laughs> to drag on, that's a good one. And by the way, it was all God. The Holy Spirit moved me to introduce you to. So uh, I can't Thank take you. any credit for that. So I'm glad that you guys also listened to the Spirit and started 96 episodes. That's insane. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't have happened without you. Wouldn't have happened without you. Thank you so much. Oh, hey, I'm happy to be a part of it and to connect people for the building of the kingdom here on earth. So what's been going on? Well, geez, it's been crazy. It's been a, a bit insane. And what I've found over these past months that it's been a refocus of what's important in my life. I've felt like God is constantly challenging me and testing me to have this patience and this trust in his plan. So I can, I constantly pray for more faith because the world can get to you. Evil can play with you and bring fear and worry and anxiety. And it can be an overcoming feeling and emotion that just swirls you down into this pit of despair. And God has been really wonderful in my life because I've, I've been fighting every moment when I have those fleeting feelings. And I want to share with the audience and you guys that those feelings, as we know, maybe in our minds, but need to really put in our hearts are not from God. Fear is the biggest, biggest one that Satan uses, the biggest emotion that he stirs up in us. And anger is the second one. So this year of fear with the coronavirus, this year of fear with the election, this year of fear with, with finances and people's businesses has been a test to everyone. And I think we should all be praying for more faith, which I also equate to the word trust, that God's got this. And let's live in the moment. He's also challenged me. I have this curiosity that constantly 
pulls me out of the present day. It pulls me into the future. I don't much think about the past anymore. I'm always wondering what's going to happen tomorrow, a month from now, a week from now. And that is another tactic that the evil one plays with us because we should be living in this moment with God. We know this is the only place he is. And so what are we doing to live in the spirit, live in the moment with the Lord and to cast out and deliver all of those other emotions and feelings, which are fleeting and are not of God. So it's been this beautiful revelation of living today, today, and pulling out those weapons and fighting every moment when I but, you know, when I feel that fear, I'm human, I'm just like anybody else, or that anxiety or that frustration or anger of just the situation that we're in. So I believe that is what the Holy Spirit is doing in my life. I don't know about you two. Well, you said it so well. And I, I, every, as you were talking about fear and anger and people losing their businesses, and I'm feeling it as you're saying it, because... I think that uh, we've all been challenged to choose between virtue and vice. And when you said that the present moment, that's where we find God, right? When we reflect too much on what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next year, that's when we start to get anxious. And that's not good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yes. I love the present moment. And I like how you said, you know, that's where God is. You know, God is omnipresent, right? He's not omni-future. He's not omni-past. Mm. He's omnipresent. <laughs> and that means that in this moment right here is the moment that God wants to encounter us in, you know? And, uh, and, and that's a beautiful revelation, I think, Kendra, for a lot of people out there, recognizing that God is present with us in this moment, and we don't have to skip to the future. Yes, he knows about the future, and he knows our past, but, uh, but, but, we, but we are charged with living with him in, in the present. And, and it's practically, we, let's talk about it practically. So what does that mean? I think a lot of people are like, yeah, great, yeah. but how do I do it? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Like, exactly. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to to shift again. And it's, it's like a habit. So when you get up in the morning, the first thing that we should all do is thank Jesus for another day. Before our feet hit the ground and we pull those covers off, we thank Jesus for that day. And hopefully we dive into some prayer with him so that we can start our day wrapping ourselves in his love so that we can be love to those around us. Because I've said a million times, the two greatest commandments we know well, right? It's loving thy God with thy mind, thy heart, thy, thy soul, and all your strength. And that means that we must pray and we must worship him every day. Because without that, we cannot live the second commandment, which is to love thy neighbor as thyself especially in today's day and age with things that are going on in, in social media and the division in the world and the stress and the anxiety and um, temperance of what is happening all around us, we have to have that extra special wrap of God's love in our lives. And then 
it's not just praying in the morning where we're like, okay, check that box. I got my prayer done. Oh, let, wait, wait, let me pray the rosary. And we whip through it. We don't meditate on the mysteries and we check that box. And I don't know, maybe we have a novena that we pray or we've got other devotions. Who knows? Maybe we stop at three o'clock in the afternoon and we quote unquote, pray the divine mercy chaplet, but we whip through that too. Prayer is really of the heart. And when you pray incessantly every day, I remember in my early journey when I heard St. Paul say that, and I thought, how in the world do you pray incessantly all day long? Like, I can't even pray for 10, 15 minutes. (laughs) What is this all day long thing? And when I started diving deeper and learning about prayer and understanding how important it is, I realized that I started thanking God and I was with God all throughout the day. So I invited God in to the mundane tasks, right? Jesus, please make this dinner with me because I'm not much of a cook. I mean, I do it because that's my calling as a wife, right? I think I can cook, but I don't really like it that much, you know? So sometimes in the evening, I kind of look at that task along with laundry and cleaning toilets is not my favorite. But then when I bring Jesus into it, all of a sudden, I am looking at that dinner and I'm, I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus, for giving me the food to cook for the stove, for the pots and the pans and the utensils. Thank you for the dishes. Thank you for the fact that we have food and we're able to have a warm meal because I know there are people out there who don't have it. And then I pray over the food and I make it a, an act of love. Same thing with the with the laundry, right? I'm not walking down to a stream and beating my clothes on a rock. I've got a washer and dryer, you know? Like then all of a sudden I'm grateful when I ask God, Lord, please come into this laundry with me. And it becomes a moment of gratitude. Like I have clothes to wash and a beautiful washer dryer and goes back into the toilet, right? The toilet indoor plumbing. Hello. Like how blessed am I? And then you think about the bathroom and the running water. And so that is really the practical way of living in the spirit of God all day, every day. And we hear it at mass, every single mass. It is right and just our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give him thanks. And how often do we not live purposeful lives, right? We just let the day take a hold of us. And before we know it, we haven't talked to God. We haven't seen God in people or nature or in, you know, the blessings that we have right in our, in our lives today. And we put our heads on the bed and then we don't think about him maybe until the next time we have quote unquote scheduled prayer, if we have scheduled prayer. So that's what I mean by practically living in the moment with God and inviting him into everything, because everything then becomes beautiful when we ask him into our lives and our tasks, especially the menial ones and the ones that we don't want to do. Yeah, said so well. And again, you had me on a visual journey there with you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from the kitchen, from the kitchen to the bathroom to, you know, dealing with people. I mean, and that's really what it's all about, isn't it? I mean, because uh, we are human beings, not human doings, right? And um, mm-hmm. so God wants us to experience life 
in the way that you described where he's with us, it's not something that we do all alone, right? Even when we are seeing things going on in our world that distract us, quite frankly, don't they? I mean, what happened this Mm -hmm. past year and, and, um, but I think that what I'm getting from you is I'm, I'm feeling and sensing your own relationship with God. And, and I know that you use what you've learned about prayer and about developing your faith to help other people through the faith coaching that you do. I wondered if you could talk about that a little bit. Sure. I would be happy to. Um, it actually happened pretty in a pretty big way earlier this year where all of my speaking engagements were being shut down and I wasn't able to engage with people. I need that. My charism is one of, of teaching, coaching, evangelizing. And there's something about face-to-face interaction when I'm speaking to a crowd of people and I can see their faces. I can hear their laughter. I can see the tears. I, I, I need that. I need that interaction with people. And I found myself just on my video recorder, right? Talking into my phone, talking into my microphone for my podcast. And I found it to be very lonely, just plain old lonely. And so God said, well, people need more of you. And some people had reached out. It started from the people who follow me. I didn't have this creation. People were emailing me and asking me for help. And so in prayer one day, he said, you should start coaching. And it's been such a blessing. And it's been so, it's been as good for me as it has for the people that are my mentees. Now, I want to say that I haven't officially gone to spiritual direction. But if you read books, one of them is from my friend Dan Burke. It's um, it's uh, Navigating the Interior Life. And it's all about the fact that we all need some kind of spiritual leadership in our lives. It could be an official spiritual director um, who's quote-unquote trained. It could be a faith coach. It could be a spiritual companion who's you know, a little bit farther down the road on their faith path to help encourage and guide you. But we all should have somebody in our lives that we can go to, that we trust, that we can be honest with and vulnerable with, and who is walking the path and has our best interests in mind. And so the people that I coach range from so many different needs. They're men and women across the globe. I have people in Ireland, in England, in Canada, in the United States. It's a beautiful thing, these technology tools that we have um, to be able to talk over the internet for free. And it's just been wonderful. And everyone has a different need because everyone's in a different place in their journey. Some people are struggling with perpetual sin. Others are struggling with prayer or discernment or how to hear God's voice in their life. And so it's beautiful to be able to help calling on the Holy Spirit every single session and allowing God to really work through me. I can't take the credit for any of it because I can't take the credit for the transformation in my own life. It's been God. All I can take credit for is saying yes and walking and learning like a child. I think that's been one of the biggest epiphanies for me is and wisdom is that I don't know everything. 
And I still am in a perpetual state of learning. And as long as I raise my hand to God and ask the Lord to lead me, I continue to go forward. Yes, I have my moments where I spin around or I (laughs) I go diagonal. I wish that the spiritual journey was just this upward climb. And we don't have those peaks and those valleys and those moments of desolation and dryness, but we do. And I've had my fair share of them over this past year. But what it has done is it's helped me grow in my dependence on God and my humility and to remember that I can't get out of this without Him. I can't really do anything without Him. So the faith coaching aspect of it has not only been so fulfilling for me because I feel like I'm building these beautiful, intimate relationships with people, but I also can see the changes and see God working in the mentees in my life. And so it's wonderful. It's so, so gratifying and satisfying. And I'm so blessed that he put that on my heart. Yeah, that's awesome, Kendra. And uh, I, I just think that, you know, you mentioned something in there about desolation and dryness. And, um, you know, I, I think for a lot of people out there, you know, probably for some of your mentees, but I think for a lot of people listening that they haven't really encountered that in their life this, this year. Um, in a way mm-hmm. that we have never encountered that as a country before. Like, like this is not just a, a you know, a, you know, necessarily a personal issue. This is a pandemic of dryness because life has been upended for absolutely everybody. There's not, you know, a single person this hasn't affected, whether it was job loss or whether it was, um, you know illness yourself or, you know, the death of a family member, uh, due to COVID, like, like, or, or just all the civil unrest that we're seeing in society. There is real spiritual dryness that is being encountered, not just in the personal, but also in the communal. I mean, the fact that churches still haven't been able to really be at full capacity anywhere in the United States, right? And, and yeah. you know, here we are as a, as a country now, parched, literally parched for, for God. And we're, and we're trying to, to understand what, what's going on, you know, is he, is he moving in, in, in a way that is totally different that we've never encountered before in our life? Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've never encountered anything like this pandemic in, in my short mm-hmm. life so far. And so, you know, how do we, um, how do we push through, like, you know, I mean, recognizing God in the present, I think, is is one of the ways, but how else do we, you know, push through the dryness? Because, you know, it's it's difficult to even say, God, you're good some days, you know, like, it just is hard. Yeah, I, <laughs> let me just speak from a, from the heart in a vulnerable space. I went through a long period of desolation and dryness to a point where I was struggling to pray. I felt numb. I felt no presence of God. And usually I have this beautiful, you know, exuberant joy and peace. And, you know, anytime I talk to him, I just feel his consolation. So I went through, where did you go? And then I fell into a, a, a little bit of a depression and I started wallowing in it. I started eating more than I should eat, drinking more than I should drink. 
And I found myself like after about a week or two taking, you know, this is, this was back when everything was closed, when we weren't actually able to even go to any kind of mass. And I found myself like almost like a weight was on me uh, physically and spiritually. And I was just depressed and constantly wanting to sleep. I had like no desire to do anything. And so after a couple of weeks, I, I was like, what is going on, God? And I had heard him say to me, you're not using the weapons that I taught you. And when I heard him say that, and it wasn't an audible voice, he put the thought in my head as I was, you know, honestly pleading with him, like, I can't do this anymore. And he said, you haven't used the weapons. And so it occurred to me, almost a light bulb went off in my head and in my spirit, I had this spark happen. And I thought, oh my goodness, he's right. I haven't delivered the spirit of depression, of gluttony, of sloth. In weeks, I've just succumbed to it. I was lulled into it, which is what the devil loves to do. He loves to suck us in slowly. And before you know it, you're in this state of despair and weeks and months have gone by. And so for me, that was when I immediately delivered the spirits. For those who don't know what deliverance prayers are, I strongly recommend um, deliverance prayers for the laity, which is Father Ripperger, which my prayer is, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bind the spirit of whatever, obsession, depression, anxiety, worry, fear, sloth, lust, temptation, addiction, whatever it is, and I command you to go to the foot of the Holy Cross for Jesus Christ to pour his precious blood on you and to receive your sentence. But you can't forget the second step, which is now that your spirit, you've, de- you've delivered those spirits and your soul is empty. And by the way, you didn't deliver the spirits. The power of Jesus's name delivered those spirits. If you remember in the Bible, he says, greater things than these will you do. And so Peter and Paul went around and they were healing and delivering spirits. And Peter even brought Tabitha back to life. But it wasn't in their power. It was in Jesus's power. So we have to remember that Jesus wins. And if we say it in confidence, then those spirits have to go. But we have to say it and mean it in our heart because those spirits also know when we don't want them to go. I'll give you an example. During this time, I, I was trying to fast as well because I just wanted to give more to the Lord and get back to my Lenten sacrifice, which I had lost, right? Because I was in this depression, this state. So I was eating a lot and my, my Lenten commitment was to have one meal a day. And so I'm facing the pantry and this box of Oreos <laughs> staring me in the face. <laughs> and I'm like okay, I'm just going to deliver this temptation away. And yet at the same time, I really wanted the Oreos. I mean, I had this kind of bodily shaking thing going on. Like that urge was so overwhelming. And I knew when when things are that overwhelming, that's not right. That's evil temptation. And it usually comes with some sort of pleasure signal, right? It's drinking or drugs or food or something that gives us that pleasure, that endorphin high or some sort of 
physiological change. And so while I said in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, you know, like I, I, I bind the spirit of temptation, I was reaching toward the Oreos because I overruled that and my desire, I was saying the words just like in prayer, I was saying it on my lips, but I didn't mean it in my heart. I wanted those Oreos. And so guess what? I ate a whole roll before I knew it. It was like seconds. They were gone. I didn't enjoy one. And I felt super guilty after and kind of a little sick <laughs> because I had way too much sugar. <laughs> but these are the these are the lessons that God teaches us, us if we can look at our day and find out when we called on him and when we honestly thought out his guidance and his power in our lives. So anyway, now just to continue on, that was one part of my journey last year. And I fought that for months and months and months. So it wasn't like, boom, I was done after that. It came back on a couple of weeks later and it was a constant battle. And what I felt was God truly teaching me that it's got to be him that transforms me and will battle all of these temptations and things in my life that I know aren't good for me and that I'm falling into a pattern of. And so it's just a, it's a humility. And I just want to call out to everyone that we have to be humble. A lot of times we just live our lives on our own because we go through the day to day and it's so much better if we humble ourselves and invite God in and let him do his work. He's just waiting there with his hand out saying, take my hand. I've got this. Amen. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that because I think all of us over this past year or so almost, right, have felt mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form what you just described. And I also love the fact that you brought up the whole deliverance prayer and that how powerful it is, right? And it's not one of those things that you just say and God's going to snap his fingers and it'll work because there has to be a real um, submission to God during it, I think, correct? Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to trust that that what you're saying isn't just lip service. You know, it's like the checking the box with the rosary or checking the box in your morning prayer. You quote unquote, say your prayers, but you don't really pray your prayers. And it's in the catechism of the Catholic church that our prayers are in vain if we don't truly pray them from the heart. So why I am so big on prayer in my ministry is because it is a battle. That's another part of the catechism of the Catholic church, that prayer is a battle. And the more that we pray from the heart, the more God draws us near and prayer becomes easier and prayer becomes a part of our lives. And prayer is truly then that beautiful relationship with God, that love affair. Think about when you fall in love. When you first fall in love with someone, you can't stop thinking of them. You're in the middle of your work day, for example, and you're just thinking about that person all the time. You can't wait to talk to them. You can't wait to see them. You can't wait to spend time with them. And that is what it's supposed to be like with Jesus. He's supposed to be our best friend in the world and the one that's going to guide us and lead us to the most happy lives if we 
open up our hearts and truly ask him in. Yeah, you're, you're, you know, you're so spot on with, with, you know, your, everything you're saying and, uh, you know, just being able to encounter Jesus in prayer is, is so important. Like, you know, what, what you're talking about is so important for, for, for our life. It's crucial to just to grow. And, you know, I, I, I really think, you know, you've, you've struck on something that is, again, as you mentioned, in the catechism of the church. Like, you know, I think a lot of people, when they see the Catholicism and they see, you know, what we do from the outside, they, they look at it as a lot of empty ritual, right? Like, they look at it like, oh my gosh, okay, here are these rosary beads. Um, we're just going to say, you know, the rosary and, and whatever, Right, like, like, mm-hmm. that, like it, it, it's an empty ritual. You know, as, as you mentioned, it's lip service. But, but when we can put the heart of of ourselves into the rosary, when we can pray it with, I think the word really is intention. To pray with intention, you know, and intentionally, we, we you know, we go through our lives with, you know, and and that's really Satan's biggest deception, especially with all the social media and everything that's out there today. We we do not intentionally engage in right. you know you know society right we don't we you know, we you know we just look through this news feed on our phone we scroll through Facebook so quickly and we're like oh that's what happened in the world today and 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 we go to bed and we do the same thing again you know tomorrow and maybe we stop on some cute little cat video that we're watching or maybe we stop on some <laughs> other cute little you know funny funny video. But we don't really intentionally engage. We're just too distracted. And so what you're calling people to do really is be intentional in their prayer and their pursuit of God. And and when that happens, you know, Christ will enter. Christ will just flood in, you know. And, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about about what you're talking about. He just floods in. And a lot of my, uh, the people that I, that I coach who are having difficulty in prayer, they, back to your point about Catholicism, they find it more rule-based, and we have to do this and do that and do this and do that, and it's like they approach um, Catholicism as a student instead of as a child, and and looking at at God as more of a a disciplinarian rather, and and maybe a teacher that if we don't get it right it doesn't count kind of thing, right? Um, oh, well, I didn't pray that right, or I don't know that prayer, or I screwed it up, I did it wrong, or I missed one day in the novena, and all of a sudden you toss it out because you didn't do the full nine days, and that isn't what, that's not what this is about. I mean, that is not a relationship with God. So for some of the people that I coach who struggle with that concept or struggle just to sit and love God, that's what I ask them to do. I say, you know, take away all of the things that you think you need to do every day. And I did this in my early journey. I had so many emails. I would listen to, I would read different reflections. I would read the daily readings. I would pray the rosary. I always had like some sort of other devotional or novena or some sort of program that I was doing. And I wasn't connecting with God at all. I was doing these things because I was 
learning as a student and not trying to love God as a child. And so what I always recommend is that people sit in a state of gratitude. Don't pray anything that's written down. Don't do a litany of X, Y, Z or anything else. Just sit with God, put yourself in his presence. And I try to imagine, you know, you've seen a lot of pictures of the father and he's up in the sky and like you see this face and this body that's not exactly fully developed and it's half like sky type of thing. And I try to put him in front of my face and then I have Jesus sitting at his right side. And then I ask the Holy Spirit to just swirl around the whole room and I'll take a couple deep breaths, but it's not new age deep breaths. It's deep breaths, inhaling the Holy Spirit and bringing him into my mind, body, soul, and spirit, because that's who we are in prayer. It's not just the mind, it's the body and the soul, the heart. And then I will sit for a while and just be amazed at the Holy Trinity and reflect on his power in our lives and what a beautiful gift of faith I've received and these beautiful spiritual gifts that I've received. And then I start thanking him because all of a sudden I'm so grateful. Like I'm alive. You've pulled me out of the pits of hell that I was living for 42 years. And you have changed so many things about my life and how I look at people and how I look at the world and how I look at you, how I live and Then I go into, you know, my husband and children and family and extended family and my ministry that he gave me that is his, and it just goes on and on and on. And there is this physical and spiritual and physiological change that will occur in every person when you go and you pray and you thank God. It's that quote-unquote attitude of gratitude, but you know that You're giving it to the right person. You're not just saying it into the sky. You're looking at the Trinity in front of you saying, thank you for my life and everything that you have taught me along the way. It's even better when you thank him for the trials. So I was reflecting on that saying, Lord, I want to thank you for the struggles that you have given me this past year because In the valley, in the desolation, in the darkness is when we grow, when we grow spiritually. It's part of the nine levels of prayer. It's part of the process. And a lot of people want to fight those crosses in their lives instead of accepting them and every situation and circumstance that you're in and learning how to be more humble and more trusting in God. That's what he's challenging us to do in the midst of illness and financial issues and depression and anxiety and fear. He's challenging us, testing us. Are you going to walk away from me when you don't feel me and you don't have those consolations? Or are you going to trust me and continue to come to me? It's not more because he really wants us to come to him in our weakness so that he can be our strength. And that we can accept that whatever is happening is going to be for the better good of the world or for better good within our own individual lives. 
And I think a lot of times we forget the times that maybe we've prayed for something and he said no, because he said no to me. (laughs) I remember I was praying for this one job, like for months. It's one of the longest interview processes I've ever gone through. Three months. I'm on my, I'm on knees. Sorry, I had just had my phone vibrate in my ear. I'm on my knees in adoration and I am like, oh my gosh, Lord, I want this job so badly. You've got to give me this job. This is the perfect job. And I didn't get it. And I remember right before I didn't get it, I was in adoration and I felt this ridiculous calmness over my body. And I felt in my heart that he said, this isn't the job for you. So I came home and I shared that with my husband and he looked at me like I was crazy. He said, are you kidding me? You've been praying for this and that's all you've been talking about is this job. And now, like days before you're going to find out, you don't care if you don't get it. I said, I I have this beautiful piece about it. I'm totally cool with it. I don't think it's right. And he said, okay, sure enough, I didn't get it. He looked at me. I was fine with it because he expected me to be like devastated Turns out two months later, this other job comes my way that was way more perfect. And guess what? It was all about helping tell a story with a software company, helping to market the message, helping to um, really create the, the overarching viewpoint of some person. It really helped me when I started my ministry because it taught me things that I would need versus going down um, this other path that I wanted so badly. So when I feel like I'm in those places where I feel like God is not answering my prayers or has said no, I reflect on, wait a minute, he's got a better plan than I do because I've experienced that in my life. And I think if we've got that, that we can go back to, or if we can remember those beautiful consolations and that time where God really came into our lives, that encounter that you speak of, Bill, that we could truly remember that this desolation is only for a moment and consolation is coming. You know, I always say, I hope I'm not in desolation as long as (laughs) Mother Teresa was. Um, You know, that's a long time. But in the end, there is most people come out of that desolation and dryness to this beautiful mountaintop. I always say like, when you're in the valley, just know that there's a mountain behind you and a mountain in front of you. And all you've got to do is keep walking that narrow path. And before you know it, you'll be up that mountaintop again. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I could just listen to your meditations and, and listen to how God is speaking in your life, because you have the kind of wisdom that I think touches all of our hearts. And, mm. and so, yeah, I really mean that. And, and also um, it's led you. And I think for myself, I've learned this when we go through those trials, one of those questions that God has posed to me, and I think he has to you too, is as you said, how can we help to make the world a better place? How can we help other people And that's what you've done with the faith coaching is you've come out of yourself in some of those temptations that you described, like the Oreos, right? (laughs) 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 The Oreos and the different other temptations that have come your way. 
and you've been able to turn all of that around and say, you know what, God, I want to be your servant. I want to help other people to grow. And so I just think that's an amazing thing. And, and so grateful that we're friends with you because, you know, friendship <laughs> is what it's all about, isn't it? I mean, and I'm sure that you've made so many great friends along the way with what you're doing. You know, I, I think it's spot on. We're not meant to walk the journey alone. We, and I did for many years, it was me and my laptop and certain people on YouTube videos. I, I did not go to church functions. I didn't know anyone in my parish. I just kind of kept to myself. And in my family, there was no one on the journey, my friends, my professional peers. So I was very alone. And I appreciated the people that I connected with along the way. Some dropped on, some dropped off, some new people came into my life. But that was my companionship. And that was why when I heard God say, I need you to serve me fully and leave it all behind, I felt in my heart that that's all I want to do. I want to walk with others on the journey and help them deepen their relationship with God and the beautiful Catholic faith. That's my mission. It's simple, but it's also real. And I feel that people need real people <laughs> to to walk with on the journey. I don't come across, at least I hope I don't, come across as this holier-than-thou person because I do share the struggles and the fact that it's not perfect. And I, I just have to be real and genuine with people that the struggle is real, <laughs> that it is a daily battle, but it's more like a moment-by-moment -moment battle, especially if those people out there listening are struggling with perpetual sin. That becomes a moment-to-moment -moment battle. Praise the Lord. I do not suffer from mortal sin anymore by His grace. But I did for years as I was walking the path, falling off, Sometimes I said, I wouldn't just fall off the path. I'd go off and through the guardrail, through the, the grass, into the cornfield. I mean, sometimes I was way off the path and kept having to pick myself up, go to confession and start over and be humble enough to keep walking the walk. There were times when I truly did not believe that I was called to be a holy person. Like this holiness thing isn't for me. I'm clearly not able to do it. And at that time in my life, it was, I'm not able to do it. Me, myself, and I, I was relying on my own willpower. I kept falling and then I would have this self-hatred. Like, really? You did that again? You got to go back into that confessional and share that same sin again? Like, you're pathetic. And it wasn't until the humility of getting on my knees and asking God to help me was it that he made those changes in my life. And truly, from my heart, not just from my lips, because there were times that I would go into that confessional and I would walk out and I would be like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm going to do that again. So that confession didn't count. I wasn't truly repentant. 
And I just knew that I had to go to confession in order to receive the Eucharist on Sunday. So that's why I did it. I was living as a student in, in the Catholic faith instead of as a child seeking God's love and mercy and transformation in my life to teach me his ways, not my ways. So that's, you know, again, why I do believe we do need people to walk on the journey. And I have found myself because of God's grace. Let me tell you, you remember back in the day when I came clean to the world about my drug addiction to marijuana, that was not um, something that I was prepared to do in the, in the beginning of my ministry because I didn't want the judgment from all of these people in the Catholic church or in, you know, this faith walk to judge me. And it wasn't until God gave me that beautiful grace to detach from the world. And it's not about me. It's about what God has done in my life. And so some, I may not be your cup of tea. (laughs) I'm not going to be for everybody because I am very joyful. And, and I mean, I crack a lot of jokes. I have this humorous side to me and some people look at that and think, well, that's not that holy, you know, like you should be not humdrum, but serious about your faith walk. And I say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm all about joy. It's beautiful to have Jesus in your life. And it's beautiful to bring that joy to someone else. That's who God made me to be. And so this beautiful grace of me only living for an audience of one who is the almighty God is such a freeing way to live because I don't much care if you like me or you don't like me, I, I mean, I know that sounds kind of rude, but I can't even like the big compliments that come my way. I have to give credit to God. So like when you guys say wisdom and stuff, I'm ready to interrupt you and say, well, it's, it's God speaking through me <laughs> because I can't take any credit for any of it. And it's, it's an amazing way to live when you know that God himself is responsible for everything and that I only live for him. Mm. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> awesome stuff, Kim. <laughs> it really is awesome stuff. We, you know, we, we, we love you, and uh, we, you know, we certainly know yes. that, uh, you know, I mean, there might be a few people out there that don't, but no, we know. We, we love you here on this podcast. <laughs> and, uh, but no, here's the other thing I want to make sure as we're getting close to the end of the podcast is that uh, you, have, you, you have so much to offer so many people, and um I, I know you do have some events coming up here. Uh, I think I, I think I, I've seen a few more pop up on Facebook uh, as well. So share with us uh, those upcoming events and where people can connect with you and go deeper with you uh, in in their journey as you're you know starting to get out there and speak a little bit both virtually and in person. Okay, great. Thank you so much for the opportunity to get out there. So there is a prayer retreat, Finding Joy in Prayer, that is happening this Saturday. It's just me. It's from 9.30 to 2.30 Central Time. It's being hosted at Our Lady of Good Counsel Retreat House, which is in Waverly, Nebraska, out there by Lincoln. And it's going to be a live online event, a retreat. So there will be questions and answers. And if you can't make it on that day, I suggest please register anyway, because you will get the link to the whole retreat 
that you can watch in the comfort of your own home and your PJs, you know, chilling out when you need to. Um, it's a free event, but I would highly encourage if anyone can afford to donate, that would be wonderful to donate to Father Gary's efforts there. They have lots of retreats. Many are online and some are in person. Um, so the that's this Saturday, the 23rd of January. And then the 30th of January is another online retreat for the Charismatic Center down in Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's a two-hour event that I will be speaking. The theme of that is that light always overcomes the darkness, John 1.5. So I'll be speaking a little bit about my journey and also how the Lord has truly overcome the darkness in my life. And that is also online. You have to, you, um, I'll, I'll give you both the links of the places that you can go and, and register. That one is actually a phone call. So you can't register on online. You just have to go to the website and pick up the phone number and make the call. Um, another thing that's coming out is um, Daystar. It's a Protestant Christian channel. And I was on it a while back in July last year. I got, flew down to Dallas. Their place is amazing. And I shared a little bit about my story. And I was also on another program while I was there. Um, that will be airing Saturday night. I haven't put any promotions out on that because I just found out that it's airing. And that's called The Green Room. And it's hilarious because like they're like, oh, here's Kendra Von Esch, da 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 da, and then all of a sudden it's like, so you were addicted to marijuana? Like <laughs> we just like jumped right into it. I'm like, well, no small talk here, huh? Kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so that should be interesting. I, I don't much even remember uh, that whole interview because it was back in July. So it'll be fun for me to see that one again. Um, that'll be on Facebook, and I'll share that, and everybody can. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, all of those are on my website. So the best place to follow me and, and on YouTube because I do videos all the time. The little icons are at the top of my website, KendraVonash.com. And there's also the faith services that are in there. So you'll see the faith coaching. And if you're interested, a lot of people think, oh, she's too busy or she won't want to work with me. I say hogwash. Just fill out the form. It's a couple quick questions. We get on a phone call and we talk about what your needs are. And I talk kind of about the process. And then we pray on it. We don't make the decision right there. I ask the person to go pray, see what God puts on their heart. And then I don't have a fee for this because it's not about the money. It's helping people deepen their relationship with God and the Catholic faith. So I ask that person to also pray based on their needs and how frequently they want to get together, what would they be able to afford and what they think would be fair. And then they come back to me, we get back together and we decide yay or nay. And if it's no, no problem. If it's yay, we get things scheduled. So that's how the process goes. And I don't want people to think I'll never be able to afford it or I won't have the time for them because like I said, it's, I have, I have a call coming up right after this, this interview. And it's something that I truly look forward to because I feel like I'm helping people in a much 
more intimate fashion and I can see the progress in their lives. And there's nothing more awesome than that. I really, truly feel like I'm serving the Lord in that capacity. That's so awesome. So KendraVonEsch.com is where everyone should go. Yes. Book is there too. <laughs> yes, and we'll get that link uh, in the show notes here for the people who are listening on repeat. Just uh, scroll down on the show notes and you should see the link to KendraVonEsch.com. Uh, just click on that and get all the information about Kendra. But Kendra, thank you so much for uh, sharing with us today and, and being with us. It's just so much fun to have you. And know that you'll be back uh, again on Sewing Hope. Yes, we love you. We love when we have you as a guest. And like I said, oh, you're I responsible you for, you are partly responsible for sowing hope and bringing <laughs> us together. And we're so grateful. God bless. Praise God. Praise God. I love you both. Keep up the great work. And I hope to be back soon. I'll keep you guys in my prayers. And God bless everyone listening. All right, folks. Well, this has been an episode of Sowing Hope. Until next time, from all of us at the St. Raymond Anatis Foundation, Patchwork Heart Ministry, and Fiat Ministry Network, I'm Bill Snyder. Keep beating to your Catholic heart and sowing hope into broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sowing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2.